Welcome back, podcast friends, to I Am Healthy and Fit. I Am Healthy and Fit is the affirmation that begins changing your health and fitness from the inside out. I'm Steve Jordan, your health and fitness coach. Welcome back, everybody, to I Am Healthy and Fit, an exciting podcast for you today with a good friend of mine that I've known for over 10 years, Pete Holman. Pete and I met in Aspen, Colorado when I was there training clients. He lives there. He resides there. He works with clients. He's got a beautiful family there as well. And Pete is a maverick in the industry. He has a physical therapy background. He is a thought leader, someone who's always creating new standards, higher standards for the way people move and feel. He's a inventor. Uh, he has created some amazing products that have hit the market uh, and have done very well and been bought out by other large products, including his one of his original products called the Ripcore. Uh, it's asymmetrical loading trading with a band. Uh, you might have seen it in with the TRX called the Ripcord, and it's a product that TRX purchased from him and licensed from him and he ended up working with them for several years on that product development and furthering it into more of a global uh, influence. Uh, He sold many, many, many thousands. And he's now recently invented the glute thrust, a machine that helps to train your posterior chain, basically your butt, and helps you to um, do it in a safe and more efficient fashion. It was recently acquired by Nautilus. I'm sure everybody's familiar with that company. It's been around for a long time. So needless to say, Pete has a wealth of knowledge and he's somebody that I, I look up to, somebody that I'm proud to call a colleague and a friend. And I know after this interview, you will also be inspired by his innovations and inventions and I hope that you will also use them. Uh, so enjoy the listen as much as I enjoyed the interview with my friend, Pete Holman. And welcome to I Am Healthy and Fit, the podcast that changes your health and fitness from the inside out. And today with me, I have a special guest, a friend, a colleague, someone that I admire in the health and fitness business, someone that I've watched from afar because he lives in Aspen, Colorado. I met our guest today, Pete Holman, about 12 years ago. Uh, I was there traveling with some clients and a friend of mine, Dr. Brian Paris, is a friend of, his wife is a friend of his ex-wife. They grew up together and they connected the dots and they put us in touch and it was like we had known each other for a lifetime. So I wanna welcome Pete Holman to the Healthy to the I Am Healthy and Fit podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. This is fantastic. Awesome, well it's great to have you here. You're in Los Angeles. How do you like LA so far? Uh, lots of fancy cars, uh, crazy drivers, and extended traffic. Other than that, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it definitely, it, it is one of the only places in the world where you can go out and then within five minutes you can see a Rolls Royce, a BMW, a Ferrari, a Lambo, a McLaren. It's incredible, right? I, I will say this. I was out in the deck today doing some work, 
and I actually peeled my shirt off. It was so beautiful. It's probably snowing in Aspen right now. Is it really? Uh, it's it's supposed to snow this weekend. So uh, well, um, that I'm is happy to be here in the sunny LA. Absolutely. <laughs> well, LA is happy to have you here, and I know our guests are going to get a lot of value out of our podcast today. I want to go a little bit into your history. Uh, you know, you got a really decorated history uh, as far as your education, your experience. Uh, you're an inventor. You've got, I, I mean, really, as from a trainer colleague looking at what you've done, it's extraordinary at the resume that you've created. And mm. I want to emphasize created because it didn't happen for you, right? It happened to you because you made it happen. <laughs> and I want you to just go and kind of talk about how you got into uh, the the first year of physical therapy. Like you started somewhere where you growing up as a fitness enthusiast and saw the need for physical therapists down the road, what, what happened? Where did this all start? Uh, that's a great question. I, you know, I've always been in athletics and my sport growing up was soccer and I played soccer. I thought I wanted to be pay the next Pele. Um, and then I discovered skiing. We moved to Colorado and I discovered skiing and I got into skiing and I uh, was a big time skier and I'd torn my ACL skiing. And I was in this health club getting physical therapy, and I was so impressed with the, the knowledge that the therapist had. I was impressed with their ability to connect with me and the rapport they developed with me. And I was impressed with their, their ability to heal me and to get me back to doing what I loved. And I thought, you know, this is pretty cool. This is what I want to do. And up to that point, I honestly wanted to be a clinical psychotherapist. Both my parents are in the health fields, uh, mental health fields. And I was on track to becoming, to going to graduate school to get my uh, a degree in, in psychotherapy. And I quickly pivoted and got into physical therapy school um, by the skin of my teeth. Uh, it's, it's not easy to get into school back, at least at that time. Uh, and especially for somebody that didn't have a science background. You know, I was doing a lot of social studies, very few statistics, organic chemistry, very few science courses. And so I really worked hard. Um, found my way into Colorado University Physical Therapy School, and two and a half years later, I was a, a graduate and physical therapist. That's awesome. It's a great story, and a, again, a breakdown, creating a breakthrough for you to see an opportunity and to satisfy something you had an interest in. Um, you know what I think that of, of my listeners, ones that have listened to many of the podcasts, uh, come to realize that oftentimes our breakthroughs come from breakdowns right there's opportunity or a lesson learned in many times in our life when it's dismal and or it's black or it's really hard would you agree with that it's it is the hardest thing to to digest for anybody including myself but you do not learn without adversity it's it's uh it's like god's greatest paradox you know so if you want to grow if you want to evolve if you want to progress and develop you have to go through some schmuck and uh, it's not that you go out and seek it, but it's going to happen. And it's how you respond to that schmuck that creates champions in sports, champions in life, you know, great husbands, fathers, um, you know. So, uh, again, don't seek it out. But when it comes, how are you going to how are you going to um, persevere and go through it? Has health and fitness helped you be more stable and would you recommend someone seeking out a more regimented health and fitness routine to help them be stable in those times of despair? Uh, this is one thing I always tell people. There's very few things in our life that we can control. 
you can't control the political environment now, for sure. You can't control uh, the stock markets, rise and fall of the stocks. You can't control your spouse or your partner or your friends or your kids. The only thing you have absolute control over is your health and fitness. Uh, your daily choices of what you ingest, how you, what, what goes through your mind, how you engage your cardiorespiratory system and your neuromuscular skeletal system. You have complete unadulterated control over that and it's empowering once you realize what you have to, to get out and to move every day and to put some healthy food in your mouth. And it's something that will take you through your lifetime. I've got a client right now who's who turns 91. Uh, he just, excuse me, he just turned 91, and you know he's he's living proof that you can be successful and have a long, extended, quality-filled life if you manage what goes on in your mind and what goes on in your body. They say that your health and fitness and what you do today for it is an investment in your long-term health and fitness. So uh, what you do in your 30s shows up in your 40s, what you do in your 40s shows up in your 50s. And it's like an investment. I tell clients that if I were your banker or your investment broker and I said, I can guarantee you a 30 to 40% return on your money, would you invest with me? And the answer obviously is always yes, of course. Well, it's the same thing with health and fitness. I've seen a statistic saying that you have a chance of offsetting all disease and other types of uh, aging processes that are plaguing our world today by 30 to 40%. So it's an investment in our, in our future to only be healthy and fit today. It's, it's, it's uh, invest in, in your health. I mean, it's, uh, you know, now if we only made the money of hedge fund managers, Steve, right. we'd be set. <laughs> de- de- definitely. But I don't know if we would appreciate it as much. <laughs> that, that's right. Well, it's, it's, there's a, it's there's, a labor of love, you yeah. know, what we do. And that's, um, you know, that is a beautiful thing of this industry is that people don't seek it out necessarily to make money or to be rich or famous or, uh, you know, to, to do astronomical things. We set out to have a positive impact on people's lives and uh, that's that's a lost art no doubt so you were a former u.s national taekwondo champion tell us about that i, I was i you know the funny thing is when i was i think 13 or 14 michael jordan was kind of i grew up with michael jordan and I kept having this recurring dream that I'd wake up and be a six foot five black man when I woke up the next day. <laughs> and it just never panned out for me. Now you're a six I, one I, white man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, and I tried numerous sports. I, I mentioned soccer. I got into extreme skiing and kind of blew out my knees. Um, and I was very late developing in high school. So even I played football in high school, but I, you know, I just didn't, I wasn't strong. I wasn't as fast as the other kids. Then about 18, 19 years old, I graduated when I was 17 because I started high school very young. And I graduated when I was 17. About 18, 19, I started to develop. And I was working at this club uh, where they had a martial arts studio inside the health club. You know, like one of the racquetball courts was used for Taekwondo. <clears throat> And I watched them practice day in and day out. And in fact, I, would, I was working in maintenance, and so I'd be mopping the courts on the opposite side of this class, like a Chinese Kung Fu movie, you know, just mopping the same spot over and over as I watched the class. And finally, the instructor came out, opened the door, and said, hey, why don't you put down the mop and come join us? 
and and that's when my martial arts started so I was very late in fact I think I was 20 years old when I started um, but it just it was something about the the physical contact um, the speed the fluidity the the footwork and athleticism I just I really took to it um, and within two and a half years I tested for my black belt which was uh, unheard of at that time for testing so quickly and after four years I was on the US National Taekwondo team it's incredible what lessons did you learn during the process of getting there and in it you got to stretch a lot <laughs> no um, I, overhead flying kicks I, yeah you know it was it was a you know there's certain aha moments you have in life and this was certainly one of them because I was looking at guys that I competed with and that were on my team and they had been training for 12 years, 14 years. Some had been training since they were six years old in Taekwondo. And I just, I had no clue what I was doing. I'd been in there for two and a half, three years. Um, and I quickly learned that if you set your mind to something, this is gonna sound very cliche, but it's 100% true. If you set your mind to something, you have a myopic laser focus and you're intelligent about how you how you proceed through that process and meaning I didn't just do what they said I learned about anatomy and physiology and how to stretch and how to mobilize my joints and how to strengthen and increase my explosive power um, and there's a direct correlation between your effort and your intelligence approaching a, a goal and the outcome and you know that was a big aha moment for me so now to this day the process is the same doesn't matter what I'm setting out to do to invent a new piece of equipment for the strength training industry uh, to write a book it's it's just myopic focus it's utilizing my resources um, taking some deep breaths along the, the way through the process uh, but visualizing the out the end uh, result as being one of success so you're an inventor, as you just mentioned, uh, an area that I found uh, when we first met. You had invented a product called the Ripcore. And can you tell us a little bit about that and then where it went to working with TRX? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think I was a product inventor, but I started to notice things in the industry that would annoy me or frustrated me. The, I, my, in fact, my first product was something called the Functional Training Rack. And, in clinics, every clinic I went into, physical therapy-wise, you'd go into the clinic and you'd see on the floor, strewn across the floor, foam rollers and elastic resistance bands and stability balls and tilt boards and, and yoga mats. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if there was a rack that would kind of organize all this stuff and get it off the floor and make it easy to access? And so that was my first invention. It was something called the functional training rack. I remember rack. that, do, actually, do you really? at Ursa. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, I came to Ursa, you, and you were there. You were at that Ursa? Bia Bianca oh was there, gosh. too, and your wife. Yeah, we yeah. had our own little booth. Yeah, your own little booth. Peddling these racks. I remember that. That's yep. funny. Here's, a, here's an interesting factoid. Uh, so one of the designs on my rack that held medicine balls and all this other stuff, it was a little uh, arm with a loop. Mm -hmm. that held stability balls and it was a very simple design i thought this is how it should how a stability ball could be held well now if you look and perform better power systems go for any you know distributor catalog you will see racks or um devices that have this little arm with a with a circular loop that holds stability balls so, so you influence I, that I, absolutely i couldn't believe 
Um, but it was a nightmare. That product, I didn't know, understand about kidding and fulfillment and the steel prices went up. This was when China was preparing for the Olympics and buying all the steel and uh, was in 2000, I don't know, eight or nine and oil, gas prices went up. Long story short, I ended up giving the product basically to perform better and selling the rest of my lot. But shortly after that, I was training an X Games athlete, a snowcross uh, guy who was amazing and named Mike Schultz. And he um, was having low back pain and he was trying to figure out how to train to strengthen his core. And I said, man, if I could replicate the forces and, and the, the, the dynamic nature of holding onto a snowmobile handle and arcing turns at high speed, I could simulate torque load going through his back and get his, his core muscles engaged and his spine ready for uh, the X Games. And so I literally took a curtain uh, or coat hanger off of my closet and put an elastic resistance cord on one end and started playing around with it in the garage and immediately felt all my muscles around my spine and my pelvis light up. Um, I felt like this uh, unique push-pulling, this coiling of my body, this centration of force and power coming from my core, and uh, started to sweat, <laughs> so it was metabolic, and I knew I was onto something, and that turned into a product called the Rip Core FX, which got caught the eye of TRX, which is a, a big functional training company. Yeah, we they, all know them. They, you know, they do the suspension trainer. Well, the, their other product that they have that they don't promote as much which they should, is the TRX Rip Trainer. And that was something I, that I came up with in my garage in Basalt, Colorado. And how did they approach you? Did they come to you and say, we love this product, we'd like to partner with you, or we'd like to buy you out, or what did that look like? <laughs> it's interesting, We when we were talking offline earlier, you talked about contacts and influences in the industry, and it's it all comes down to conflict, contacts, you know, who you know and, and your ability to, to network. At that time, one of my buddies that was helping launch the business, he had a good friend that worked at TRX. And the good friend, his name was Ryan Damon. And he was a lacrosse player at North Carolina University, so high-level lacrosse. And he, my buddy kept sharing with this guy, Ryan, Ryan from TRX, uh, video and pictures of our of our events that we'd have for Ripcore FX. We had Rip in the Park and we'd have a hundred people show up in Washington Park in Denver, Colorado. And then we did a, another event in Chautauqua State Park in Boulder and 60 people showed up. And every other week we were doing these massive events. I don't I know how we had that. Like there was a, a <coughs> pole in the middle as well. Yeah. People were moving off of that, like that center there. And it was really cool. It looked like a really great community. Uh, th like, thank workout. you. It was, and it was brand new. Nobody had ever seen any kind of this asymmetrical, you know, bar training before. And so we had a, a nice buzz in this this guy from TRX kept saying, how are you guys pulling this off? I mean, you're doing educational seminars. And then the next week you're in Nashville doing another seminar. And he he ended up showing his uh, his boss, Randy Hetrick from TRX. And they, they, you know, they approached us sometime thereafter and said, you know, this is an interesting product. This might be, you know, our suspension trainer is fitness anywhere. You know, you can set it up anywhere, you can train anytime, and we really like that concept. And, and my product really aligned with that uh, selling point and that marketing suite. And so, you know, we went through some negotiations and uh, a few months later, I was living in San Francisco, working at TRX and traveling the world, educating people on 
the merits of you know asymmetrical bar training. And so they ended up rebranding this. You don't you have no longer Ripcore FX. You now just it's all under the TRX brand and model. Correct. 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 Okay, yeah. So did you lose ownership from there, or do you get do you get uh, royalties on that and sales moving forward for life? Yeah. Oh, that sounds so good, it Steve does. Jordan. Um, no, I do not get royalties and Randy, for life. if you're life. listening to this, man, we can <laughs> retroactivate this. I know some great lawyers. <laughs> yeah. I, I need representation. Um, typically, when you have a product and you're kind of a, a lower on the totem pole and you align yourself with a bigger company that's doing some special things, typically you give up your rights uh, and you get some kind of a royalty deal or you have a licensing model. Uh, a licensing model means you kind of still own the patent or the right to do whatever you want and you can get out of the contract. Um, but we were basically acquired and so our debt was paid off, which was a big deal. Um, we were, uh, my team was both, myself and my partner were both offered positions at TRX with a nice salary. And then we were offered royalties for uh, a period of three years. Um, and so, you know that once that royalty period was out I basically was a salaried employee and I, I did learn a valuable lesson that you really kind of want extended shelf life on on your royalties or your your leverage over a product you don't you know because after three years keep in mind the first year they kind of slow pedaled you know it was it was hard to integrate this product into the TRX branding and, and, and marketing and all the videos that needed to be re, rebranded so it took a long, it, the first year was basically just trying to get things up to speed, which means you're not selling much product the first year. So you gotta really be smart. So we, we in essence, had two years of royalty earnout that we really were focused on. And, and then you're beholden to the company, uh, you know, how much marketing are they gonna do on your product? And how, how many trade shows are you gonna go to? Um, so it's, it's tricky, but it's been a great experience. And I learned, a tr I mean, I feel like in three or four years of working at TRX, I got a, a you know an MBA from Harvard. It's uh, it was an amazing business experience for me. Great. Now you have another invention that I just saw recently released at URSA. It's called the glute or the hip. Uh, <laughs> Wait, get it straight. The, it's called the Nautilus glute drive. Glute drive. The glute drive. Okay. Yeah, and then this is I'm really excited about this. Um, I am a big posterior chain advocate you know when you have strong low back and when you have strong gluteal muscles when you have strong hamstrings that really helps with your posture your core strength and you know transferring energy up and down the kinetic chain and and you know you look good in a bathing suit so um, I often do hip thrusts with my clients and myself and the hip thrust is a great motion it's basically an elevated glute bridge where your backs up on a, on a back pad elevated back pad and you just get more range of motion and one day I was doing this with a client and I wanted to put some weight on their, their lap to, you know, overload, progressively overload the movement. And it was hard to get it oriented on their lap. I had to use a pad. And then the, the client complained about their upper back hurting from the pressure going into the elevated back pad. And long story short, I said, there's got to be a better way to do this movement pattern. And that was the genesis for this machine. It's, it's a plate-loaded hip thrust machine where your back supported the full length of your spine and your head on a back pad that fulcrums up and down and you connect the seat belt around your pelvis and the, the weight stack is basically connected to that or the excuse me the weight plates 
and you can engage in a hip thrusting motion. Uh, and I, I think it's, you know, we just launched a month ago, uh, but I think it's going to change the industry. I, you know, this, this machine or some version of it will be in every gym in the next decade. Awesome. I guarantee it. Yeah. I, I think so too. I mean, training that posterior chain is really important. Those that work with me have seen me do bridges, floor bridges, single mm -hmm. leg bridges, uh, good mornings, anything that really gets that, that posterior chain glutes activated because the longer we sit, the less active the glutes are. If you don't use it, you lose it. That's and, right. And by the way, that's a great point. So when you sit, your hips are in flexion, right? There's Correct. a crease between your femur and your pelvis, and that's, that's called hip flexion. Those hip flexor muscles get very tight, and they're connected to the low back, and it leads to tons of dysfunction. So when you engage your glutes, what happens is you reciprocally inhibit your hip flexors. You kind of let force them to relax. So this motion, and you see this all the time in physical therapy, glute bridges for, for back pain or for you know, ACL injuries. When you fire those glutes, you relax the hip flexors, stretching them out. So you strengthen the backside, stretch out the front side, and it's something that everybody that sits in an office chair or drives a lot can use. No doubt, absolutely. So tell us, you go from you know this idea, seeing the need for it. Do you design it and draw it out and sketch it out? Do you hire somebody <laughs> to draw yeah. it, a, an engineer to measure it and do all the you know that functional layout of it, and then present it to somebody that then puts a working model together? How does it go from that would be... <laughs> to 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 the actual product? Because there's a lot of people out there who want to invent things, and I think people get caught up or afraid of the process. Talk a little bit about it, the process. It, it is a challenging process, and it can be overwhelming and, and, undaunt, and daunting. But you, you know, my process starts the same every time. I draw something literally on a napkin. I, or you know, the, in fact, I still have my original sketch drawing. It's on a, it's on a little night pad uh, or notepad that sits on a night table at the Marriott, you know, and it says Marriott on it. It's like five by five. And I just, I was at a trade show a couple years ago and I walked the trade show floor and it just kind of hit me that this machine, there's still no, I kept thinking, oh, there's got to be one of these machines now because you know, it came to, to me in my head, and if I'm thinking about it, I'm sure other trainers have thought about it. And I walked the trade show floor at Ursa a year ago, a year and a half ago, and there was nothing there. And I thought, that's it, I'm doing it. Went home to the hotel room, sketched out on a pad. Um, I still was a little unconfident, you know, about the idea. I think I showed it to one friend who's in the industry, and he immediately validated me and said, you've got to pursue this this is a game changer and and so you know it's good to get validation but you got to tell the right people don't give away your trade secrets um so so that turned into some some better sketch drawings and then yeah i consulted with a mechanical engineer you got to get somebody that understands how to how to create and weld and build um and this gentleman happens to be brilliant he's like a uh, like a my mini da vinci you know he's he worked at lockheed martin and he understands um, he, uh, me mechanics unlike anybody I've ever ever talked to. And he's also creative. He thinks outside of the box. He he understands. I wanted to put a design element in there, and you know, not have it just be some blocky piece of equipment. So I, you know, I. Where did you find him? Well, he was a massage therapist, believe oh. it or not. And so it goes back to these contacts. I mean, this 
it, this is how funny it is. This guy's a massage therapist and yoga specialist. Not in a million years did I think he could fabricate steel. And I start, and I, and instead of it relaxing and enjoying my massage, I'm just chatting with this guy because I thought he was so interesting. I said, wait, you worked at Lockheed Martin? And he said, yeah. And they said, well, you're a machinist. And he says, yeah. And, and then he says, I also do photography. And he's just a crazy guy. And I said, well, wait a minute. Could you, do you think you could build something for me? And he said, I can build anything. Hmm. And I was like, man, this is my guy. And so I've worked him, with him now on uh, a couple projects. In fact, I'm working with him on another project as we speak. Awesome. Yeah. So, so you got to find somebody that can help you out. The, the challenging part is the patent stuff. You know, you start getting into patent research and you can spend 3500 bucks in a heartbeat to, to research if a patent's out there. And then if you find out you want to pursue that, it could be another three or four grand, five grand to, to actually file a patent. And, um, and sometimes you don't know if they're going to come to fruition. So it, it does take some seed capital, but, you know, most people have either a little bit of cash or they've got friends or clients or, you know, we call them angel investors, right? Somebody that's not going to kill you on the interest rate um, and somebody that you feel comfortable approaching that, that you know, it could be an uncle or a, a great friend or a great client that you say, hey, I've got a really cool idea and you bake it up and you present it really professionally to them and, and you ask for a few grand and that, that can oftentimes get you started. Awesome. Now you've got everything you got there. It's working. It's manufactured. Now where do you go? You go to these equipment companies, like you said, Nautilus. Nautilus, I mean, Nautilus is one of the most iconic brands in the industry. How do you approach Nautilus with a product <laughs> well, like this? This is, this is going to sound redundant, but once again, contacts. I've got a buddy who happens to um, be very friendly with a gentleman named Mike Feeney. And Mike Feeney is an amazing guy. He's a procurement specialist for New Evolution Ventures, which is a big company. They own Crunch and, and 24-hour, excuse me, Crunch and um, uh, Gold's Gym, uh, uh, so a lot of Gold's Gyms. They own the UFC and they manage a ton of other gyms. Anyhow, this guy buys equipment on, on mass scale for these gyms and he's got his finger on the pulse of everything that's new and hot and that's gonna change the industry. So my buddy said, why don't you call this guy Mike Feeney, who I actually happen to know from TRX days, and consult with him and see if he think who he thinks should manufacture it and see if it think, he thinks it's a good idea, you know, preemptively. And so I called Mike and he says, you know, there's this guy I know, it, Michael Bruno, he, he runs Nautilus and Star Trek and Schwinn and Aerodyne and um, Stairmaster, and he's, he, he'd be the guy to talk to. And so I connected the dots, talked to Michael Bruno, and he was interested. We signed a non-disclosure agreement, and I shared with him my content. And they were, they it's funny, they were excited about it, but still kind of lukewarm, you know. And I and I asked uh, Jeff Diltz is the product uh, design manager, and I asked Who's Jeff, a good friend of mine. He, Jeff is Jeff is the guy. He's 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 the, man. he's the man. And the I guy said, travels more than anybody I've he, ever met. He travels a lot. He, but I asked Jeff, I said, Jeff, how many do you think we're going to sell all these suckers in the first year? And he said, well, maybe a couple hundred. I said, a couple hundred? That's ridiculous. This isn't even worth doing. 
And he said, well, you know, it's a new product and it could, you know, it could be slow to take off. Long story short, talk to Jeff Diltz now after uh, we launched six weeks ago. We've already quoted like 1,200 units and they're flying out the doors and they, I think they produced 500 initially. They already had to order another run. So it's really going well and I, it's the greatest satisfaction in the world to, to have, you know, the vision you know, and the wherewithal to kind of get it done, but more so just the vision to think, hey, this is something that could be successful, and then you see it actually selling, and it and it's, and you know, you know, you're right, you know. So I would consider you a health and fitness entrepreneur. Would you say that that'd be a correct statement uh, to make? Absolutely. Okay, you have all these things going on. You're a conditioning specialist, physical therapist. You're an inventor, an educator. You know, being an entrepreneur comes along with a whole other bag of, of challenges. What are some of the challenges that you've encountered being a health and fitness entrepreneur? I just balance. I, you know, my, my bread and butter is still seeing clients and, and, and doing physical therapy and, uh, you know, getting my kind of daily rate and that funds all these other pro- projects. And, uh, I met a guy by the name of Todd Durkin. And if you're in the fitness industry, you probably have heard of Todd Durkin. He's an amazing, he's somebody you should follow because he's Great an amazing guy. guy. He's inspirational. He, he, in fact, he trains Drew Brees, who uh, just passed uh, the Peyton Manning to have the greatest amount of career saw that last y- night. passing yards last night. And it just at age thirty-eight. I mean, it just anyhow. This guy is somebody you should follow. But he he talks about different times in your professional career, and one of the things he talks about is blue sky time. You know, he talks about mellow yellow time, you know, when you hang out with the dog and connect with the family and all that. But the blue sky time is you got to set aside. It could be an hour a week. It could be every quarter where you do a little weekend retreat. But it's time where you think specifically about your next step, your next move. What, where do you want to iterate yourself and your, and, and your career trajectory? And so... I think the hardest thing for me is balancing my time. This whole summer, I was seeing 10 to 11 people a day in Aspen. And I'm not complaining because it was great money. But, I mean, you have no time. You can't think about anything. You're exhausted. You have very little time for yourself or your family. And you certainly don't have time to develop new products. Uh, And I waited for the day when, you know, September 22nd hit or somewhere in there when all the people leave Aspen and I'm left with, uh, you know, instead of a 12-hour day, I've got maybe a three or four-hour day. And all of a sudden now, I've got my blue sky time. And I can start to think about my next steps and my, my next moves and create. So I think the biggest challenge is just finding that time. But I will tell you, 10 years could you go by like that. And if you don't force yourself to, even if you have to cancel one day a week after a quarter because you, you need to develop and evolve and grow your practice or, or, or you know, try to start something new. you got to make the time. Otherwise, you will stagnate. It's great. Great advice. Innovation. How do you stay innovative? What do you do to stay, on, stay abreast of current research, of the ideas, product launches? Obviously, you have some of the ones that are leading that, but how do you know what's out there? What this, where to go uh, to? It's, that's such a loaded question, Steve. I... Uh, you know, sometimes I don't want to say things just come to me. I'm not like some Nostradamus, but I definitely, I look, I keep my eyes open and I look daily 
it, when I go to gyms, when I train clients, when I'm, I'm, I was walking the dog the other day. We got this little, my wife, I wanted to get like some badass attack dog. My wife brings home a miniature dachshund, right? This thing's like seven pounds. And so I'm walking the dog and every three steps, the leash, you know, kind of gets tangled underneath his rear legs and I have to go through this little rigmarole of I stop the dog, lift up his front leg, lift up his back leg and clear the leash. And I'm thinking, I could fix that in two seconds. And so now uh, I'm not sure I'm going to pursue this, but you know, I've got this great idea for a new dog leash that's going to never get tangled in the rear legs of the dog. Um, so I'm constantly looking for ways to innovate and ways to make my life and my client's life better and easier and more productive and I you know and that comes in all forms so you know that's one of the biggest things I do to innovate is just I constantly keep my eyes open and I'm I am a little bit I do get frustrated easily when I see things that are designed a certain way and I think this is a terrible design whether it's the functional flow of a restaurant or you know a piece of gym equipment I, I want to fix it so you're in the business of fixing, making things better, right? Not necessarily reinventing the wheel, as that old saying goes, but making that wheel better, make it move better. Is that correct? That, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's I would it. agree. And it's a and, great way and of looking at it. And you know, you think about most most careers, they are they look at problems and trying to fix problems with solutions. Again, whether you're a psychotherapist, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an attorney, you're, you're trying to just fix a problem. So inventors and entrepreneurs are kind of the same way. You just find some problems that you occur that occur in your everyday life or your client's life or your friend's or family's life and try to fix them. And that's the best way to innovate. How important is social media for you? I know you've got a, a nice little presence on there and you have these tips that you put out on a, a weekly basis, not a little bit more frequently uh, about certain training methodologies that you use. How important is social media for the, for the growth of your business? And, you know, I, I'm challenged with it often of staying on top of it. It's like I get into routines of it and then I stop. Because I get burned out of it. It just, it's, it's consuming. So, social media drives me nuts, Steve Jordan. Um, it's the most magnificent and interesting and, and efficient thing in the world. And it's also, um, it can be detrimental and, and, um, and overwhelming. Uh, I, when I started at T-Rex, they told me that, you know, you kind of, you need to be out there. You need to be educating on this, this T-Rex rip trainer that you just launched to the world and people need to know how to use it and they want to they want to see your face and they want to hear about you and the product and so they basically forced me to get on social media and you know I kicked and screamed the whole way once I got on there it's kind of addictive I mean you're like this is this is cool I can Im immediately impact somebody in in Shanghai that's using my product and without even you know talking to them face to face so you know that's marvelous um, it's I, you know, I think it's game changing. Uh, the thing about social media, and now it's really starting to come to fruition for me, is it takes a lot of time to build up and you have to be extremely dogmatic and consistent with your approach. Whatever your, whatever your brand is, you have to stay true and authentic and organic to that brand and just keep grinding away. And if you've got the right brand, people will start to follow you. Once you have people following you, uh, then you have some power and some leverage, not in a, in a 
uh, you know, in a positive way, you now can sell product or you can divert people to other products or other uh, professional friends in the industry that you want them to connect with. So it's a very powerful tool um, and it's done uh, amazing things at the, my recent launch of the Nautilus Glute Drive. I mean, people all over the world now have seen the first ever plate-loaded hip thrust machine and they're they're all over it and it's because of social media. I mean, you can't print advertise, you'd have to spend thousands of dollars in print advertising or going to trade shows or, you know, which we still do on the side, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're not, if you're not on social media and you're trying to expand your influence and, and create a larger brand, you, you're definitely missing the boat. So I know it can get burnt out. You can get burnt out on it, but just take, you know, you take a break and you kind of come back to it and you'll find something that will inspire you. And one thing I don't do is there's people that post three, four times a day. There's a guy, do you know BJ Gadur out in Malibu? I don't. He's a He's a character. He's a friend of mine that I met at TRX and he has this house in Malibu in the backyard he calls it Garden of Gains and so he just he he literally works out more than anybody I've ever known um but he he'll post like eight videos a day of different exercises and different pro I don't know how he's so creative to keep coming up with this stuff but I I would rather do less content but you know just keep just keep a good message on each piece you post and have something be thoughtful and, and and well constructed and you know focus on quality versus quantity that's one way to you know streamline your social media and, and not have you get burnt out so you obviously are you know very focused on your business and growing and and becoming a an innovator and leaving a legacy in the health and fitness business but you also have a family you have a wife, you have a 12-year-old daughter. How do you balance that? Where does where do you draw the line? You know, how do you how do you transition from work to play? Yeah, it's uh that's the the million dollar question. I mean, it is hard to launch a business, to run a business, to create and innovate uh when you've got a family. And you know, I go back to that um, model that Todd Durkin has and he, you know, he talks about mellow yellow time. And sometimes this summer I told my daughter, you know, it was like a Tuesday and I just finished an 11 hour day and kind of didn't have any energy for her to go play volleyball outside or do whatever. And I just sit her down and say, Hey hun, you know, daddy's working really hard right now. We're, we're saving money for some special things down the road. But I tell you what, this Saturday afternoon, I get off at one and at 1.30, you and I, kid, are going to be on the rope swing up at Stillwater like nobody's business. And she'd kind of get a smile on her face. And, and I just set the intention to let her know, hey, I'm kind of off the radar for this week. <clears throat> but once Saturday comes, it's me and you. And so, you know, and I, and I do the same with my wife. We try to do, uh, have a date night or so, do something special. And they also know... Um, and I have to repeat this currently through or, or consistently through the summer that, hey, the summer is a rough time, but we're going to save a lot of money. And then once the fall comes, we're going to have a lot more time together as a family. So it's the balance is not it's never an equilibrium. It's more of like a waxing and waning or, or you know, or like a pulsatile balance where you, you're you're going to be out of balance. But you got to just figure out, you know, six, eight weeks goes by and then you find, you know, get back to balance. So I Am Healthy and Fit is a podcast that helps build your health and fitness from the inside out. It's changing. I Am Healthy and Fit is actually a mantra. 
So when you say I am healthy and fit, you actually are changing your belief patterns. How important are your belief patterns in creating this balance in your life between work and play, your family, and all the successes that you've had? Uh, you know, it's everything. And I'll be honest with you, Steve. I don't talk about this a lot. Uh, and I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I struggle with my confidence. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times before a big presentation or, I, you know, I'm in the back. I feel like Eminem, you know, in, in 8 Mile. I don't know if you saw that. And he's like literally vomiting in the restroom before he goes out on stage. I, I just I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, I, I, there, I have insecurities. Uh, that I worry about, but I I just never give up, you know. And I and I there's something about my my background and my up upbringing it just led me to have to have a have a gritty determination that I'll never quit. So I you know I wax and wane with my confidence, um, but uh, you, you know it's about perseverance, trying trying to stay true to who you are and being your organic self. And I always have had this fascination with kind of the Renaissance man or woman, and that is just actualizing your potential. So in every facet of your life, from your relationships with your family and friends, to the relationship with yourself, which I'm clearly still working on, to your business career, to your hobbies. You know, I've, I've picked up guitar. I'm trying to learn how to play guitar. And I just want to, I don't want to leave anything on the table when I'm on my deathbed. I want to think, man, I, I, I did it all. I had a complete life. And that's, you know, that's where my healthy and mind's, mindful body is at. Awesome. Well, I can relate to you. And I acknowledge you for being vulnerable and for sharing that with us, uh, with me. I can relate to that. I also am insecure. I have challenges oftentimes with my confidence and my abilities uh, to do what I do. Even when I do have the successes that I've had, the, the transformations that I help create and you know the successes I've had in business and the opportunities that I've been able to have, I still am doubtful about my influence or impact mm. in the health and fitness industry, uh, including the podcast, you know, which <laughs> it keeps growing every week, you know, but even just having one, like I felt like I'm not good enough to have a podcast, you know, who am I going to get on there? Who's going to want to listen? And we all go through that. So I want you to know, um, you know, I'm the same as you and I know that everybody is and hopefully that can bring some uh, relief to your insecurities as well is that we're all the same we all have them and I think we just sometimes some people are better at hiding them yeah and I it's interesting I've always been so admiring of these folks that stand up in social media that's the other thing about social media is you you know you pan through there and it's all these amazing people that have had unbelievable accomplishments and life stories and and you know they might be more attractive than you or more fit or well more well spoken and you just it's pretty overwhelming but uh you know i've always admired this about you as well as you kind of you you've got your track you've got your brand you stay focused and you tried i haven't done a podcast i don't have the guts to do it yet yeah <laughs> sometime down the road and i and again i it's like finding the time so uh, you know i see your your podcast and your emails your your blogs and it's just impressive that you've carved out the time uh, and you've and you've shown the care and interest in your clients and and folks around the world to try to have a positive impact and, and influence on them and that's congratulations on all that thank you I appreciate yeah. that well I am 
Sad to see you leave. Uh, <laughs> I wish you were here more often. Uh, it's been too long since we've last seen each other, and let's make sure that we don't let another 10 years pass before we see each other. Um, and in any way that I can support you, and I know our listeners would love to be more connected with you after this, how could they stay in touch with you? Oh, fantastic. I'm at Pete Holman one uh, so Pete and then H-O-L-M-A-N, the number one, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, you know you can find I'm at Glute Drive too on Instagram and Twitter. If you wanna, if you're interested in um, posterior chain <laughs> kinematics, you can follow me on Glute Drive, uh, and I'd I'd enjoy anybody that reaches out and connects with me. And your Facebook? Uh, My Facebook is, also- is, Pete, is Pete Holman, um, and it's uh, that's. I'm kind of capped out on my fans, but I'm in the process of changing that to a business account. Oh, great. And yeah, so then then I'll be open there on uh, Pete Holman Facebook. So yeah, yeah please you connect. Have a, you have great uh, information on there. Thank a you. A good shares. Thank you, yeah. Awesome. Well, again, it's been great. I hope that you got a lot out of this. I got more out of it than I anticipated because uh, we had a lot to talk about even prior to this recording. Uh, Pete, you're awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep rising the standards of the industry and being the best self. Thank you very much, Steve. Till next time, everybody stay healthy and fit. Dude, you're really good at this, man. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And one more thing before you take off, would you like to receive a short email from me one time a week on Fridays? Five to Thrive Fridays is a way for me to keep you expanding your health and fitness with five of the coolest things that I find interesting or ideas that I've been thinking about. Health and fitness books, trends, foods, recipes, supplements, anything to keep you feeling healthy and fit over the weekend and beyond. Visit stevejordan.com and click on the hashtag IamHealthyAndFit to leave your email address. And one more important note, if you found this podcast motivating, inspiring, or educational, please share with your family, your friends, coworkers, or anyone that you know who needs to improve their health or fitness. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or any other social media platform. Taking the initiative to share not only helps the people you share it with, but it will help you because the law of giving together. See, when you give with generosity without expectation, you will receive more for doing so. And this holds true when you want to be healthy and fit, my friends. This is another exercise that I prescribe to all of my clients. And those that have taken it on have undoubtedly seen the most results. So please, take a few more minutes of your time and do it now. Thank you again for listening. I am healthy and fit.